Good morning, everybody. Would you rather be here today than in the best hospital in the Twin Cities? Amen. Amen to that. <laughs> we might have some good hospitals, but I'd much rather be here. We're here in the, under the care of our great Lord. I want to make you welcome today. We have a few visitors, and if if you wouldn't mind filling out, there's a connect card in the uh, song rack in front of you. Just drop it in the lockbox back there or give it to an usher. That way we can connect with you. Our giving today will be through uh, our, have the lockbox on the back wall back there. You can put cash or check in the lockbox or you can go to cypresschurch.com. Let me see, cypressstreet.church slash give and do it online for those of you who are able to do that. <laughs> uh, we will have Bible study this Wednesday night by, with Ray Owens, a youth meetings with uh, Bryce Lovelady. And this coming weekend, I'm going to be carrying a load of mostly girls in my car down to the uh, youth retreat. And... I think Bryce is going to be carrying a load of boys. So uh, keep us in your prayers as we go down to Pollock and enjoy a weekend for the youth retreat. Next Sunday, March the 26th, will be uh, Ray Owens' last uh, service for us. He's been serving us as our interim pastor, and we've really enjoyed having him. March the 30th and 31st, if you've got an able body, Show up at uh, 115 Dobson Place and help our new pastors, Dan and Lynn Masters, move into their home. I have a thought here I want to share with you. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. This verse is one of the most practical we will ever encounter in the Bible. Every one of us faces needs in our lives at times if they are beyond our, at times they are beyond our means. Those are not the times to become anxious or to panic, nor should we give up in defeat. It is at these times that God wants to draw from his unlimited storehouse to meet our need as only he can. Do you believe God can meet the needs of your finances, your health, your children, your parents, your church? Scripture says you will never face a need for which God's provision is not more than adequate. This promise appears over and over again in the Scriptures. Psalms 116.6, Hebrews 4.16, Matthew 6.8, Psalms 69.33. If you are not experiencing God's bountiful provision, what is the problem? Is the difficulty with God? No. Or could it be that you do not really believe that God stands ready to meet your every need? Every resource of God is available to any child of God who will believe Him. No one has ever exhausted God's supply, nor suffered a shortfall when trusting Him. Unfortunately, some Christians live as if God's abundant resources were not available to them. They are children of the King, but they live like paupers. Would the people close to you affirm that your life gives evidence of an unwavering belief that God will do what He said? So think about that 
and just realize that you need to be realizing that you are a child of a king. You need to live like a child of a king. All right, this time we'll start our singing service, and I'll turn it over to our worship leaders. Good morning. Good morning. Psalm 122.1 says, I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Let's stand if you're able and sing this beautiful song. We have come into his house. We'll sing both verses.
God's people said, amen. We have another song, and if you're able to still stand, let's do Good, Good Father.
be seated. And children, you may go to Children's Church. Before we have our speaker come up, Ray, he doesn't need an introduction. We've loved having him here. But uh, let's go to prayer. And there's a bunch of prayer needs on our bulletin this morning. Been several deaths. Let's be praying with those grieving families. Of course, be praying for the masters as they come down from to be our preachers of two Sundays from now. Um, the people and the churches in Peru talking about heavy flooding and rain. Uh, let's just remember all these uh, needs as we go to prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for a beautiful day to come together and worship you. We thank you, Lord, for Ray and the, what he's meant to us. He's well, most of two years here, filling in for us as a pastor has been a blessing, Lord. But we do lift up the masters as they move down from Ohio to come down and be our pastors, give them safety in their trip. Help us, Lord, to give them all the support they need to get moved in. Make that go smoothly. Be with all these needs, Lord. We have several people that have lost loved ones. Give them your comfort. Be with those that are sick. Lord, we know your power is not limited, so we just ask you to bless each of these needs, Lord, and give healing where healing is needed and comfort where comfort is needed. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We do have a lot of needs, and I really ask that you join. Uh, man, I, I do love the prayer texts that go out. But I ask that you join us in praying for these. Um, this morning I prepared a message, uh, uh, actually this message a long time ago in a series that we'd started. We talked about it last week. We've been talking about uh, uh, Peter and becoming a man of God, and we saved the last three as we build up to Easter. And so we have one more after this. Um, but anyway, the Lord laid a couple things on my heart. And then about an hour ago, he said, write a couple things down. So anyway, I always love it when he does that. Um, but anyway, I, I felt like today I needed to talk to you just a minute about a couple things at the beginning and maybe a couple things at the end. First of all, I do want to tell you, Brother Dan and Lynn are super excited about coming. Uh, they really are. Um, independently, I've talked to him, and he said he just can't wait to get here. Uh, some things have happened there to just confirm, you know, like confirm, 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 slap you upside the face, confirm, confirm, you need to go. You know, like he's already here. And so basically they told me they're already in West Monroe in their spirit. 
So if you see a spirit wandering around from Illinois, not Ohio, wandering around, it's, it's them. They're, they're here, they want to be here, they're excited. Um, and we, we here have all seen God work too. So it's clear this is God's will. So I personally want to challenge you uh, to begin to love uh, Dan and Lynn like you've loved me, because uh, you have been amazing to me, uh, and how you've supported Carmen as well. Um, you know, love on them, support them, pray for them. Um, and I also want you to once in a while say amen. So we're going to practice that. It's A-E-A-M-E-N. And then you really can't say amen. Amen. That's what the women say. Ah, man. Okay. So let's don't say it that way. So here's what you say. You have to put an explanation point on it. Does that make sense? So you got to say, Amen. So we're going to try that, all right? Amen. There you go. See? You said Amen in a church. Lightning didn't strike. There's hope. So I want to encourage you. You guys are amazing, loving people. You have great leadership here. Um, I mean, we have some leaders that have to travel due to family and health issues, and you guys just keep it going, pick up the slack. You're faithful to missions. I don't know of a church anywhere that gives more uh, money to missions per capita, and it's not like we're a bunch of millionaires, you know. We just really are committed. You guys are amazing. Um, just love on them, and I'll tell you, the more you love on them, the better it is for you, you know. Uh, and I don't think if you sit there and scowl while he preaches, it'll, la it'll go shorter. Okay? It might go a little longer if you go, hey man, that's right, preach it, preach it, preach it. He might come up with another point. But you'll enjoy it and it'll be better. Okay? Dale? Praise the Lord. Yeah, that's good too. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's right. Give it to us. <laughs> Oh me, oh my, <laughs> thank you. Well, we've been, as I said, covering uh, this, and we're going to talk today about facing failure. Um, you know, I pray that God would just, uh, you know, allow us to be open today and uh, just enjoy Him. But sometimes life's best lessons are learned when we fail. Did you know that? We already talked about sometimes when we're sick, and it's not always God's will that He throws on us. We live in a fallen world, or when things like that, that's when we really can get close to God. And I've already told you many, many times, you're going to hear it over and over, that when you mess up, you fess up. When you mess up, when you're hurt, when you're frustrated, you run to God. I was doing some counseling the other day with a lady in Kansas, um, and I was like, look, you need to go talk to your pastor. You need to be counseling there. You don't need to be calling me this, you know, far. I'm just kind of working with her gradually. And, well, I'm just so embarrassed, and he's so busy. And, and I probably shouldn't have said this, but I said, I'll tell you what I know, and yes, he's busy. But he's not as busy as I am, and I'm on the phone with you, because there's a God. <laughs> and I live a thousand miles away, you know. Call and run to it. There's just something about us when we're hurting or messed up, we don't run to God and we need to run to God. 
And we've, we've talked about that many, many times. I've failed, we've all failed. So we're going to discuss that and kind of go through that today. At the end of Jesus' ministry, the last week of his life, we know about the garden, and we're getting ready to talk about that. And man, it's a joy, one of the greatest joys of my life has been able to be there and see it and walk with Dana among that and just see where he was crucified, where, where the tomb is, and all those sort of things. Really, really awesome. But I want you to think about these disciples. They've been with Jesus for three years. Jesus has poured out his heart to them, and I feel like, I just guess maybe it's funny, but I just feel like the chosen does a good job of showing how patient Jesus is with them and how he keeps loving them. Just like uh, when, when they're getting ready to feed the 5,000, he says, you feed them. And, and I remember reading that and thinking, well, that's terrible. They don't know how to feed them. No, he just sent them out two by two and gave them the power to heal, and they all prayed on people and healed them. So... He's trying to teach them you have power and you can do some things. And then you keep coming back. You need to do something, you know, just keep doing that. It, it's, it's crazy. They've seen some amazing things. I thought about this, not just the fish and the loaves to see that happen, but even Peter walked on water. The storm was bad and Jesus said, peace be still, boom. They had seen Elijah and Moses, we forget that, with Jesus. And you go, well, did they understand? Oh, yeah, they think it's what they want to do. Let's build an altar. Oh, my gosh, this is the best thing ever. This is who we're talking about. So let's read the scripture together. I have uh, for you Luke 22, 54 through 62. So they arrested him and led him to the high priest's residence. And Peter was following real close. No. Far behind. The guards lit a fire in the courtyard and set it around it. And you know what? I think it was like last night. It was cold. Louisiana, we never know what we're going to get. It was cold last night. I think the forecast for next Friday night, uh, that Friday is 82. 700% humidity. And people say, you can't build 100%. You haven't been in Louisiana. <laughs> so here we are. They, they sat around and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers. Peter denied. Whoa. I don't even know the man. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter replied. About an hour later, someone else insisted. This must be one of Jesus' disciples because he's a Galilean too. In other words, he's a southern. He talks funny. Galileans do have a little different accent. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And as soon as he said these words, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered that the Lord had said, Before the rooster crows, tomorrow you will deny me three times. And Peter left the courtyard crying bitterly. You talk about failure. Woo! This was tough. And if you and I are going to become a person of God, a man or woman of God, we've got to learn how to face failure because we're all going to face failure. 
you never know anybody that's kind of a, maybe a kid or somebody that I would call the king or queen of denial? Sure. I remember when I was uh, in Kansas and moved from Louisiana to Kansas and met Diana and we would go snow skiing. And, you know, I thought I was in great shape, man. I, there were several times that, that the Lord humbled me. And I was out there and one of our friends had a five-year-old kid. And, man, they're just amazing skiers. First of all, they're this far from the ground, so when they fall, they don't know it, you know. And they just ski and ski. And we were together one time, and, and this kid just went right by, and he started tumbling and fell over, and he kind of landed back on the skis. Man, we took off and went down there. Are you okay? I said, yeah, I meant to do that. <laughs> Anybody ever heard that or seen that or done that? I meant to do that. Life throws us a curve. We mess up. We're out of control. And then here's the terrible thing. God blesses us in that, forgives us in that, and gets us back on the right track. And we kind of go, well, I know what I'm doing. I'm good. And we forget what he's done. Please don't forget what he's done. Don't let the Satan be the accuser and keep accusing you and all of that of what, you know, what you've done because he is the accuser and he will do that. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying remember what God has done with fondness and goodness. And if you remember that, you don't repeat it. And that's important. How many of you heard of Will Rogers? If you go to Oklahoma City and you land, you'll land at Will Rogers Airport. Well, when Will Rogers started his career, really he was a rope specialist. He was not a comedian or uh, a writer or anything like that. And he would do, have a lariat and a rope, and he'd do rope tricks. And one night he was in the middle of his act where, you know, he jumps through the rope. And I don't know how they do that, but he was doing that. And the lariat got messed up, caught up, and went all around and wrapped him up. And there he is in front of all these people, and he's all wrapped up. And all of a sudden it came to him, you know, I've got it written down. Being wrapped up in a rope isn't so bad as long as it's not around your neck. And everybody laughed, and that started his career. In other words, he messed up, made humor about it, and then realized, hey, everybody says I'm kind of funny. I think I'll, you know, he had that sense of humor that, that he's famous for. What a cool thing. You know, instead of saying, oh, I meant to do that. I want to show you how it's done wrong, you know, and keep doing it, you know. Look at the proverb. People who cover over their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and forsake them, they will receive mercy. So this is clear what the Bible's telling us to do. Thirdly, don't let yourself get comfortable with failure. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. Three times. Not one, three times. When we fail, this is a fact. The more you keep failing, at least this was over a short period of time, but over a long period of time, the more you keep failing, it can kind of become normal. You can become callous about it. It can become, uh, you know, somebody tells the first lie, and it's like, oh, it's horrible, and you feel guilty. You keep telling the lie, and pretty soon what becomes the truth? A lot. Everything you're telling, you don't even know. I know people. I've 
counsel with people, and I know people where every single, honestly, you can't believe anything they say. I mean, they literally believe their lies. Does that make sense? If you tell it long enough, you don't even know what the truth is. And that happens. With failure, if you don't deal with it, if it doesn't feel a little bad and you really deal with it, it just gets to be where you're doing the same thing over and over. And all of us have failed. We've all talked about it. We, hopefully we face it. It hurts. We confess it. We repent. And we go on. When does failure become comfortable? I put that way on the outline because comfortable was the blank before. <laughs> when does failure become comfortable? You meant to do that. First of all, yeah, I meant to do that. Actually, this time I did. That was a miracle. When we get caught in self-pity, when we get caught in self-pity, now here's one thing. If at first you don't succeed, you might go, we should, Trey. You might go, well, failure's just my thing. I'm a failure. I'll never get over it. I can't do anything about it. And I'm exaggerating, but to a certain point, all of us, and especially men, we can be the same way. We can be babies with certain things. In other words, God, you've got to believe that you can be above failure. You've got to believe God created you as a masterpiece, and he's working on you. It might start as an ink blot, almost on some canvas, but he's going to take his brush and dot it here and finish the product. And that's how we deal with failure. You can't get into self-pity and just say, I, some of the mercy girls have been so involved in things, they just get there's no hope. They believe there's no hope. You can't get there. Secondly, when we, when we become self-excusing, it's bad when we become self-excusing. If you get to where you blame everybody else, and if you're married, you tend to blame your spouse for all your problems. Um, you know, if you get there, and their kind of idea instead of you first succeed is cover all the evidence up that you did. And so we see this even in political things and all cover-ups. I got a cover-up. And they actually have people that are paid to be professional cover-ups. You know, both on the internet and other things, cover it up. And you shouldn't become self-excusing. Thirdly, when we presume on God's wonderful mercy. In other words, when we take God's mercy for granted, when we presume on it, it's just God is love, God saves by grace, God bestows on us mercy, and he does. But sometimes what we do is we take, well, it's no big deal that I messed up. God will forgive me, and I'll just keep messing up. He'll keep forgiving me. Now, what does Paul say about that? Anybody know? Should we keep on sinning so that grace more by abound? Uh -huh. No, no, no. In other words, guys, it cost Jesus' life and the pain, the excruciating pain and everything he went through. The grace that we got from Calvary is high. And we don't need to go, oh, I'm terrible, I'm no good. But we also don't need to keep doing it and just keep putting that on that grace. It's a high price that was paid. So that's why that I said we don't need to get comfortable with failure. And finally, 
But here's what's amazing. That just speaks to my heart, and I know it'll speak to yours. When we mess up and we turn back to God, hey, he meets us halfway. He's running to us. He isn't going to make us do it. He's loving us, and he's running, and he's accepting us. So I have on your outline, God does not run from trouble. Do you agree with that? By the way, what scares God? Nothing. God doesn't run from trouble. Doesn't run from the enemy. He doesn't run from you. He doesn't run from anything. But when we admit our failure, God comes to running to meet us where we are. So how do we get God running? We run to Him. We go back to Him. That's a beautiful story. God's grace and God's mercy. In fact, there's a song, When Mercy Came Running, Like a Prisoner Set Free. What a beautiful, beautiful song. You know, I have at the bottom of your outline, confession is indeed good for the soul. We've all heard that quote. 1 John 1, 8, 9 says, if we confess our sins, that's running back to God, spending time with God, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, and not just forgive them, I think we stop there sometimes, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, I can mess up and have a repeated failure maybe three times or whatever. I can be dealing with something that goes on for years and keep struggling with it. But when I come to my senses, as the prodigal son did, and when the Spirit of God begins to move on me in my heart, guess what? And I come to Him, He cleanses me. I confess it, I lay it all out. And I mean, I walk out that door it's as if I never did. You follow what I'm saying? How far does he take my sins? Does he move them over to Monroe? Across the river? Does he send them to West Carroll Parish? No. As far as the east is from the west, they're gone. And I think it's okay for us to remember our failure and our forgiveness, but it's not good to keep wallowing in it. We're set free. Like a prisoner set free. Isn't that amazing? What's so amazing about grace? I'll tell you what's amazing about grace. I like everything, okay? But being set free. And you know what? If I could, if God gave me a gift, there's a couple things I would do. It's kind of a combination of Jesus and Star Trek. But I would love to be able to go up and put my hands on people's heads and beam into their brain what God thinks of them. It would transform lives. I'll place my whole career on You know? Just transform to know how much God loves them, how He sees them. You talk about self-esteem, forget that. You'd have God esteem. And the other thing is, people that have been living with issues and that just can't feel anymore, they can't trust and all, and just to be give it up and be set free and be able to smile. I know people that haven't smiled in years. They have medicine for that, by the way. <laughs> Goodness, can you believe that? I haven't smiled in years. Well, I'm glad you're not my mom and daddy. Did they cry some? Oh, yeah, I love I'll tell you what, I'm very proud of my dad cried. He wasn't a crybaby or anything, but sometimes he cried. 
they smile. I'm so glad they smile and we had fun. And we made fun of each other. And you know what? God bless them to make fun of themselves. Great memories. So as we close, the worship team's going to come. I wrote something new down here that the Lord gave me. I told you to give me a couple times. Two, two things. If you are facing failure now in your life, there's some failure in your life right now. And it can be outside circumstances like bless PJ's heart. What, four funerals? I mean, you know what I'm saying. It can be outside circumstances. It can be inside circumstances. It can be anything. Whatever it is, and you haven't had a chance to confess that, I want to plead with you to come and confess that I'm mad at God right now. He, all this I'm going through, or I have an issue in my life, I keep repeated failure, and I, I just can't get victory. Now's the time to come confess it so we can leave out of here and have a party. Lunch is going to be better today if you confess it. And then the second thing the Lord told me was, if you have overcome failure, and God this morning has reminded you of a failure that he has given you victory over. And what he has done for you. Ask them to come and thank him for that healing or that blessing. And pray that they use it for his kingdom. I know that's kind of strange. That's what I feel led to say. In other words, don't be like a Pharisee that looks over and says, Boy, I'm glad I'm not like him. Woo, that is great. If you're there, you're in the first group. If you're there and you're cutting other people down, you think you're better than them, you definitely need to come to this altar, sit on this pew, that pew, that pew, that pew, that altar. Or maybe if you're that bad, you need to go across all of them. Because you're judgmental of other people. I'm glad I'm not like them. I'm glad I'm righteous and I'm a member of such and such church. And I'm the doctor, reverend, blah, 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 blah. Boy, that's a terrible place to be. That's a terrible place to be. But I'm telling you, if God has done something in your life and he set you free from it, I think sometimes he calls us to thank him for what he's done and say, God, use me so I can help others. You have called me to be your ambassador. Use me. I'm willing to thank you, Lord, and I want to be used. Amen. Amen. So would you stand with me? We're going to sing a song. And if the Lord has spoken to your heart, won't you come or won't you pray? Come to the front row. You can bow where you are, whatever the Lord has for you.
Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior.